Hello, Suns fans, and welcome to the Suns Report Podcast. My name is John, and I'm your host of the Suns Report, and I'm joined by my cohort in crime, the master of the microphone, Matthew Lissy. How are you doing, sir? John, I'm doing really good, man. First off, before we crack one open, yes, have you seen Love is Blind? I haven't. On, on Netflix? Have you heard about it? I, definitely. My fiance, okay. I think, has watched the entire thing. Yeah, you got to check that out. Just, I want to get that off my chest. Okay. Right? okay. Can I get something off my chest? Yeah. Have you heard of Hunters on Amazon Prime? Uh, yeah, to disappoint you, I watched the first scene. It wasn't too impressed, but I was really drunk, so I might give it another go. <laughs> so you, you're recommending Love is Blind over Hunters? It's Yeah, but reality TV, that's where, it, that's <laughs> okay. where it's at, man. Whatever you say, man. Whatever you say. Al Pacino hunting Nazis. I'm just saying. Loving it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, welcome to the Suns Report Podcast. Uh, a few things that you need, I need to let you know before we get started here today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at The Suns Report. You can follow me on Twitter, at Darth Voida. At Matthew Lissy. Is where you can follow Matthew. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, because that's really the best place to get all that consistent, quality Suns content. So we're going to talk about the Week 20 Recap. 2-0. We already got 20 weeks down, my brother. Yeah, very quick, man. Just keep that 82-game season going, because I love it. Yeah, I anything, can't get enough of it. I, if they throw a midseason tournament in there, I'm all for it, but yeah. don't take away my games. I absolutely love two to three games a week is ideal. Yes. It's fun. It keeps you engaged. Especially March and February are kind of tough, because February, there's not too much going on other than basketball. Spring yeah. training baseball is fun. I mean, again, I live in the Valley of the Sun, so I have access to spring training baseball. But at the end of the day, the games don't count. And when you go to the game, you get to see your favorite players for like three innings. Mm-hmm. So again, not super engaging. Obviously, we'll have March Madness here starting pretty soon, which is always entertaining, but not as fun as watching an NBA basketball no, game. No, it's not. This is when basketball actually really starts to pick up mm-hmm. the pace. The Clippers actually start playing. So you get to see those guys play and see if they're championship caliber. But um, I love February. And we had a great February. Uh, one player did, but yeah. we'll talk about that later, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, first, let's do what we always do here on the Suns Report. Let's crack open a nice cold one and talk about Week 20. for the Phoenix Suns. They went 1-1 one one on this week. Only had a couple games. They played the Raptors and the Blazers this week. They ended the week with a record of 25-38. and 38, And we can finally do a hip-hip hooray because they have hit the 25-game win mark for the first time since 2013. Mm-hmm. We've hit 25 games, and guess what? We still got quite a few to go. So yeah, we do. This is awesome. We, we can maybe get to 30. Whoa, settle down. Yeah, and I, it's weird. I know we've sucked, but I didn't know it was 24 games. That's it. For some reason, I always forget how bad we were. Yeah. And then now it's just like, oh, okay, 25 games. Pretty sad, but we still have a lot more to go. So let's see if we can get 30. Well, and if you think about it, at the beginning of the season, that was the goal. Listen, this team won 19 games last year. If we were to win 30 games, that is an 11-game win improvement. That's a lot of wins. You know, yeah. Again, it's not a lot uh, when it comes to making the playoffs. It's still not good enough to do so. But you want to see progression, and you want to see something that gives you hope. And getting to 30 games, is your, you know, even though it's not the desired result of hitting the playoffs, you can still sit back and go, you know what? We're, yeah. we're progressing. We're moving in the right direction. 
Because when you're winning 22, 19, 18, 21, that amount of games every year, you're just kind of stuck in this mole of shit, and you don't feel like you're ever going to be able to get out. So. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm not really focusing on the wins anymore. I'm not even looking at the standings anymore, or the playoff race, because I know the Suns are out of it. Mm-hmm. But even if we get a few wins together, I don't want to peek into what, how far back we are in the playoffs. I kind of just want to watch it game by game and yes. just hope I see some kind of competitiveness out of the Suns every game. That's what I'm looking for. For me to stay away from the standings is pretty tough because that's usually the first thing I go to every morning to see mm-hmm. what the standings are. Yeah. And, but now I'm going to try to stay away and just focus on one game and just watch the individuals of the Suns play their game and see how competitive they can be. Well, my first question before we even get into the games is kind of along those lines. On a scale of 1 to 10, how engaged are you with this team? Oh, 10, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, going to games actually, though, are probably tougher for me to go to the games because you just know about the renovations and everything next year is going to be so awesome. Yes. So it's kind of hard to, my, to bring myself to go to a game and sit up top but besides that, I watch every game. I'm following everything. I'm still mm-hmm. way into the season. Uh, definitely. What about you? Yeah, same. Absolutely, it's the same. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, I'm actually kind of disappointed because I didn't get to see all of the Portland game last night because I had some tasks to do uh, in my life. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. that's that proved to myself how engaged I still am with this team. It's like it hurt that I didn't get to see them play Portland. It's like yeah. the Suns playing Portland, who's like the number eleven seed. You know, the yeah. eleven first thirteen. To your point, the standings. I don't care about the standings. I love basketball. Mm-hmm. I love Phoenix Suns basketball. And even though we're pr- most likely, I'd say probably like a 99% chance not going to make the playoffs, I'm still full in on this mm. team. Yeah, I love very watching much them. So. I want to see what how, how those pieces come together at the end of the season and truly see if there's still that fight. Yeah. I feel like at the end of previous seasons, management has started to pull guys. You know, mm, uh, Booker, yeah. you're... Your elbow hurts, doesn't it? Hey, TJ Warren, that ankle, I don't think it's going to get better. <laughs> and you really start to lose engagement with the team because no one's out there playing. Yeah, You're like, oh, wow, I get a whole quarter of a season to see Tyler Eulis play. This is yeah. awesome. You know, It's not very engaging. But there's a lot of talent still on this team, which is really crazy because there was injuries, of course, that happened. Aiden hasn't played this week. But still, it's just like on the bench, you want to see every player play. In the mm-hmm. past, it was like just rookies that never knew how to play. We got so frustrated with them even trying to uh, try to play make or try to evolve into the player we thought they would be. But this year, we have players that are already like who they are and actually are improving to be what we think they're going to be in the future. Well, yeah, because when you have those rookies come out, you want you want in such a short period of time for them to progress so much, which is just, it's unfair. Yeah. To see a rookie come out and be like, listen, in these 15 games, I want to see you become a potential you know, all-star. Mm-hmm. I want Dragon Bender to become amazing, and, and you got 15 games to do it, and go. And then you get frustrated when it doesn't happen. I think with the talent that we have on this team, with the depth that we have on this team, you're not looking for that because you have, you have a good idea who, who they are. You're looking for them to progress little skills. And, and more or less, just provide consistency. If I see consistency coming off the bench or just at all right now, I'm unbelievably pleased. Yeah, me too. One other question I have before we talk about the couple of games that happened this week. Do you think that Cam Johnson, when healthy, should start to get any starts? No. Okay, well, why? Well, do you mean this season? Yeah, this season. Oh, he'll probably get some starts just because Ubre's out, and mm-hmm. I feel like they're gonna, there's going to be more injuries because that's the way it is. It's like the Suns, every other game, there's someone out. Yeah. But Cam's been the guy that's been out. He's mm-hmm. been hurt, or else he's been sick. Last game, he was ill. Yeah. Um, 
so I think he will get starts, and that's what I want to see because for me, I love seeing Cam play. He's gotten in the last ten games, he's had twenty two minutes a game, yeah, which is perfect, and you get to see his uh, his skills evolve in a way, and especially the coaching. It's funny, really quick. I think in the Raptors game, I saw him coming into the game. And he he was killing it, hitting threes in this game. And I saw Monte pull him aside. He's just like, hey, pump fake, then go to the rim. Next play, yep. or not the next play, but the first time or the next time he had the ball, he uh, pump faked, went to the hoop, and he dunked it. So it's like little things like that I love to see because they're still learning. And I feel like he's going to deserve some starts later in the year or the last half of this year. I agree. I'm looking forward to see him getting a few starts and seeing him throw up more shots. It's one thing that we've been asking for. And in that Toronto game, he did. I didn't see that moment with, uh, Monty. Like I it was very, they just, they peeked over at him and like, he grabbed his arm. He's like pump fake. He said something like that. I know he did. And I actually wrote it down when he did it. And then it, <laughs> it happened. He did it. And EJ talks about it all the time where mm-hmm. EJ's like pump fake. You got those guys coming at you. You're not going to hit all the threes. I love him shooting like 10 threes a game. Mm-hmm. But when you got the guys coming at you, pump fake, you can go right to the rim, dude. You're like six, eight, six, nine. I'm just surprised that Monty did a positive coaching moment. I mean, that's not really his forte. Yeah. He's like, Akobo, get in there right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about that Raptors game. It happened on Tuesday night. The Raptors won 123 to 114. Uh, this was the fourth loss in a row for the Suns at a time when you don't really need losses. I don't mm-hmm. think there's ever a time where you need losses. But again, with the playoffs kind of being on the bubble, I mean, again, we've both said multiple times that the Suns aren't going. But it's not a time to really put together a string of losses, but you're playing one of the best teams in the NBA. And as I started watching this game, there's one thing that I realized. We don't talk enough about Mikel Bridges. We don't. He didn't have a stellar game, but he's just so solid. And I'm so ha- he's one of those guys you're so happy to have on your team. And I wanted to start with our thoughts on him. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, is there anybody he reminds you of? I don't know. I, I can't see anybody because he's just such a long dude. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what he's going to evolve to. What do you think he looks like? Who does he remind you of? So maybe it's just because I was watching the Raptors play, but he kind of reminds me of Pascal Siakam. Really? A really long guy, a defensive yeah. guy. Pascal Siakam has more girth to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's a power forward slash center, whereas Mikel plays the three slash four. I don't really see Mikel coming in playing center. But I started to do a little bit of research, and if you look at their per games in their second season, both of them, they have the exact same field goals and field goals attempted per game, exact same field goal percentage. They both Mm. shot 50.8% from the field in their sophomore seasons in the league. Mikel Bridges averages 8.4 points per game right now. Pascal Siakam averaged 7.3 in his sophomore season with the Raptors. And that was a team in which the Raptors were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference that year. And Pascal Siakam was coming off the bench. So he, he shared a very similar role that Mikel Bridges does. You know, he only started five games, Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. did. And uh, Mikel Bridges now started 22. So obviously with injuries and things of that nature, Mikel's getting more of a chance and has some uh, higher minutes than Pascal did, uh, did at that time. But just watching them play, I, I look. I was watching Siak, and I'm like, you know what? This could be who Bridges is, an offensive force. He's got the offensive capability. He, he really does. does. He's got a three-point shot. He's got a good mid-range game. He can get to the hole. He's longer than everybody, so he gets to the backboard before everybody. He's not going to yeah. you know, get you 20 rebounds a game, but he'll get you 10. So if he 
fills out a little bit his frame. I could see him being a Siakam type. That would be great. And that's what's so exciting about like next year is seeing these guys take the next step because they're still so young, mm-hmm. especially Mikel, to where he in the third year you're going to know who he is. So his offensive game, he's already looking comfortable out there. And it's funny, we talked about it before when they played the Rockets. And remember when James Harden crossed him up? Yes. And then the next second, he took the ball away from him? Yep. I feel like that was the moment where he understood, like, I'm very talented mm-hmm. defensively, and but even offensively, that's going to come. But that confidence, I feel like, came from that play. I know it's weird to say, but ever since then, I feel like he's been a different player. Well, when you look at it again, he's shooting 50% from the field. He's shooting 35% from three-point line, and he's shooting 83% from the free-throw line. I mean, he's yeah. a solid offensive player. And it's funny that you say that, you know, they're, they're still so young. I feel like we've been saying that for five years, but this is the first time that I feel like next year it's actually going to be fun yeah. to watch because they're actually going to grow here versus when you would watch Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, <laughs> Alex Len. You felt like you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see this guy be the exact same shitty player next year because <laughs> yeah. you never saw progression through the season. There were never those moments like you're talking about where you saw a player grow up in a play. It was Instead, it's Marquise Chris going for a dunk, airballing it, and then getting yeah. a technical foul against the Jazz against exactly. Ricky Rubio. I mean, it, was, it was young players that we didn't even know what they're going to look like. Mm-hmm. We just assume they're going to be good. We didn't see any potential in them exactly. at all. No, this team though is way different to where even like Ubre, he's only twenty five. Yep, he's finally like hit. I feel like a mark where he's going to be the player he is now from last from this season. So, I just think this is something that is still exciting, and we'll talk about it later. I put in my notes the SB Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Michael Pina. Was it he wrote a he wrote an article about us being excited for the Suns' future and it's yeah. so true everything he wrote about. Well, and one question I was asked on Twitter a couple of days ago was, "You're going to have the same pieces next year. Why is the result going to be different?" And it's the growth. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. There's growth. People either get better or get worse or stay the same. And I honestly feel that this team has a bunch of players who are going to get better. And that's what's exciting. As the off-season's upcoming, as March Madness is upcoming, and we're going to have some insight into who the people are that are going to be going in the draft, as free agency comes up, as all these things occur, yeah, the Suns, I hope, make some moves to solidify this team. But I hope they don't change it too much. Mm -hmm. We haven't had a culture for a long time, and I feel like we have have a culture now. We haven't had an identity forever. We finally have an identity. You don't develop culture or keep an identity by just shuffling it all up again. And I yeah. feel like we really, again, shout out to Mikel Bridges. He's going to be a huge part of that. On Friday, I heard about um, the culture. It was mostly from, I think it was Bickley and Murata. Mm-hmm. Is it Bickley and Murata still? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, I was on lunch and they were talking about, has the Suns culture changed? That was a big question. It's like, yes, it has. We've had injuries. We've had bad luck. I feel like this year, I mean, there's, I don't feel like there's anything such as bad luck, but you haven't really seen this team together for 10 games or 11 games. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And the culture has changed. I think there's a big culture change. So I don't know why you would question it. I know the wins, we already have more wins in the last five years. So how is it not a culture change? Oh, absolutely. And again, I think the, the fact that the team hasn't played together and couple that with just some really shitty losses this season where you know, one play could have gone another way and we would have won those games. The team could easily be sitting at 30 wins already, if not 35. I think one-point losses, I mean, you flip yes. our one-point losses 
from losses to wins, and we'd be 32. We'd have 32 wins. Yeah, so, exactly. So, again, well, back to the Toronto game. Uh, Saric had a great first quarter. He went five for six from the field with 13 points. He ended with 16. And I was kind of frustrated to see that, where Saric came out, was all over the place, really, again, like we always talk about, hustling on the boards, and then only had three points the rest of the game. Yeah. In a game against Toronto, I feel like he's actually a valuable weapon because mm-hmm. he plays as hard as they do. You have to match the other team's intensity. That's what Saric uh, has the ability to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that frustrated me, and I, tell me if you remember this moment, when Lowry was guarding Aiton, he did it like twice. Mm-hmm. And both times, Aiton had the ball. Now, he wasn't deep in the block, but he was probably yeah. about 16 feet out. And he'd have little Kyle Lowry on him, and he'd pass out of it. Mm, yeah. Twice he did that. Okay. Aiton, why? <laughs> um, there was one time I saw, and he passed up, I think, to a wide-open three-point uh, shooter. But I don't know why. I I don't know. I, that, I mean, I can't really answer. I mean, it's just like him improving to be aggressive. But Well, I think it's just recognition, and this is one of those things that we're looking for again with the growth is in that moment, start backing him down. Yeah. Do two dribbles to back him down because guess what's going to happen? Defense is going to collapse, and then yeah. he's a great passer. He he throws the ball kind of hard. Aiton does. Oh, he's a great passer. Yeah. I think he's good for. Well, I, like the way he throws it though, he palms and just like chucks it, like <laughs> yes, kind of LeBron ish. Like he does. LeBron will do it more to make a point yeah. than to be effective. Like he Aiton gets that ball to the guy and he hits him right in the hands every mm-hmm. time. I'd be terrified to try to catch a pass from yeah. DeAndre Aiton. <laughs> That'd be coming up like, oh shit, know, break exactly. my pinky. <laughs> well, you were asking like what would happen in that play if he backed him down. I'm sure Lowry would probably draw a foul. And I think yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think Aiton knows, like, Lowry's just there. He's going to take an elbow or something, or f- mm-hmm. fake take an elbow, oh, yeah. fall on the ground, get the foul. Lay and, on the ground for, like, yeah. five minutes. And maybe he's not in the spot where the coaches are like, all right, if you get in this spot, look for the open shooter or something like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there's a lot of variables that go into it. The aggression and stuff, I feel like Aiton is just Aiton. He's just the way he is for right now. So for this year, I just want to see more development of being aggressive, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. <laughs> if this is non-aggressive Aiton, he's still having a great year. He's oh, got 30 fantastic. games, 19 points a game, 12 points. I have a name 12, for him. 12 rebounds a game. You got a nickname for a Aiton? nickname, Mr. February. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually like Suns, by this time, the Suns think about the draft. We talk about the draft, but we actually have a Mr. February, some that showed up. He had his best career month. Mm-hmm. It was a 22 and like 12. That's wow. what he was averaging. Uh, shooting efficiently and usually like it's Mr. October or whatever. This is the closest the Suns have gotten to the playoffs to where we name him Mr. February to where he carried this team to not such a great record, but really great stats. Yo, what up, Feb? Yeah. Well, speaking of nicknames, Chris Boucher had 19 off the bench for the Toronto Raptors in this game. Yeah. Do you have any idea who Chris Boucher is? No, of course not. No idea who this guy is. He's a 29% uh, three-point shooter, hits a couple huge threes, and it got me to thinking once again – that we talk about these kind of guys all season. These are guys who no one knows, and they have career games against us off the bench. So we need to name this award. You know, I don't know if we go and we <laughs> yeah. name it the Chris Boucher Award, but do you have any ideas what we can name this award? The uh, Ass Hat Award? <laughs> I don't know. What else would we name it? Because this is basically, it's like, what's up with that ass hat going down the floor? <laughs> no, okay, I, I get it. All right, so I got a couple suggestions. Nothing okay. as cool as Ass Hat. Uh, the Eddie House Award? Okay. Just because Eddie House used to always do that. He used to come off the bench and just yeah. kill people for like 10 minutes. Uh, and then you could be like, oh, man, we got housed. Okay. <laughs> that makes more sense uh, the than Eddie, mine. The Eddie Johnson Award, just because, yeah. you know, six man, one of the best six men of all time. The Sweet Lou Williams Award, because he holds the record for most career points uh, coming off the yeah. bench in a career. Or the Jack Taylor Award. 
Do you know who Jack Taylor I, is? Yeah, I like the Sweet Lou one. Who? No, I don't know who. You know who I Jack, lied. Who's Jack Taylor? <laughs> Jack Taylor is some white guy who holds the NCAA record for points in a game at 138. Okay. He did it in 2012 while playing for Grinnell College. Oh, you know, some just no, some, just like some random more. guy you've never heard of. Yeah, who came out and just killed somebody. I think we should do the Lou Will. Um, he named his. I think it was his daughter or son, one or the other. Yeah, uh, six. Or something, because he's a sixth man, always. <laughs> that poor kid. Yeah. What if it's like the third child? It's not that bad, huh? Yeah, but you're like the third kid. You're yeah. Like, hey, yo, six. Hey, yo, six. No, the no. sixth kid, you know, because you know that every NBA guy has got like 15 kids. Yep. So, okay. So, we'll name it the Sweet Lou Award. Okay. Right, anybody who that. comes out who you've never heard of and just kills us off the bench. Or anybody yeah. who just kills us off the bench. Because there's always one guy a game. Well, I like... No, go back to Jack Taylor because it's always a player we don't know who yeah, well, the hell they that's are. That's why I brought up All that right, one. So, yeah. Never right. forget everything I just said. Jack Taylor <laughs> sounds great. So, there you Sorry, go. Man. The Suns Report is now officially dubbed any no-name who comes out and slays the Suns off the bench, the Jack Taylor Award, <laughs> in honor of some dude who scored 138 points in a college basketball game in 2012. Yes. So, anyways, back to the game. Back to the game. Uh, the Suns led by as much as 17, got outscored 62 to 46 in the second half. Here's a question I got for you. Why does it feel like when the Suns have to fight back in a game, and they do it a lot, and I'll give credit to the team, there's always fight in this team. But when they fight back in a game, it's hard. It's a grind. And when we finally get close enough to overcome the deficit, we just can't get over the hump. Whereas when like other teams do it, they use no energy and they do it easily. It's effortless because they've been there before, and this is part of the growth. I brought this up before. That's where That's a I just good think point. This is the next step to where they are actually in these games. Finishing it is the next step after that mm -hmm. to where they can actually like eat with ease, like the Clippers, you know, smoking cigars, walking down the yep. court, doing what you want. They'll eventually get there. I think it's just the experience. Uh, Eddie Johnson talked about it too a lot where he's just this, this game. He talked about the Suns haven't experienced this. They haven't been to this point in their careers. R Ricky Rubio is probably the only player. Aaron Baines won a championship, but he's not a starter. Ricky yeah. Rubio, but he wasn't really the leader of the Utah Jazz. So I think for the young players that get the taste of like, we just went on a losing streak. It was because we've never been here before. Teams are playing harder. And I think we just need to experience that, unfortunately, before we can move to the next step. So I think that's the only way to explain it. You know no, that I mean? makes sense. I, it's a good point. A lot of the teams that come back on us effortlessly are teams that have done it before. Yeah. Other than that one time Sacramento did it. That really pissed me off. I'm <laughs> yeah. still like not over that loss. <laughs> I hope Booker was taking notes in the fourth quarter because Lowry was going to the hole and creating contact yeah. in a way that I feel like Booker needs to to adopt. Because mm -hmm. Booker was taking it to the hole too, trying the same thing, but he was like flailing and yeah. you know, kind of being pissed off Booker. He needs to control his body and his emotions in those moments to yeah. be effective. Like, and you got to see Lowry do it. Lowry would go right to the hole, jump into somebody, create the contact. Now, obviously, Lowry's a smaller guy, and then and he's got that head bob thing down to an art. But I think Booker in the fourth quarter, who still went five for six from the free throw line and was getting his opportunities, there's still that opportunity for growth yes, there. Yes, definitely, dude. And it was funny because uh, at the end of the half, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, great end of the half. And then Booker fouls. Yeah. Uh, who was it? He, I forget he fouled the... The guy that was shooting, stupid. I forgot his name. But anyway, so he fouled him and then got the It was tee. a Jack Taylor? Yeah, it was Jack Taylor. <laughs> so, But he fouled him and then got the technical. They got the technical I was foul. just about to write, like, great end of the second half. Yeah. Way to finish it. And then, nope, but was then, not. Then Booker just... It was the Suns' way to finish a, finish yeah. a half. Uh, do, any other notes you have on this game? So going into the fourth quarter, I feel like 
the offense was so tired so quickly. It was such a back and forth game for the Suns and the Raptors. But the fourth quarter, like the first four minutes, seemed like a whole game. Like this, the team was exhausted. Yeah. There. And it's just so easy for the Raptors to play this way. And it's just something the Suns have to adapt. And I think, too, with the Suns playing under five minutes, their offense usually becomes non existent mm-hmm. to where the teams can just lock down and close them out. Those are my biggest takeaways from the game. And it was a game where I thought, you know, we might win because there's some injuries on their side, the Raptors. But then you forget that championship they have under their belt is just, or the championship belt they have just leads into like the most important parts of the game, which is like five minutes left yeah. to where they can just close the Suns out. And that's what happened. Well, and to your point again, I mean, the Suns, that's what they're trying to learn to do is just close out games. When you're going against great teams like the Toronto Raptors, it's tough. Yeah. It was also tough seeing DA go down with uh that ankle. You know, initially yes. when you watch the replay, you're like, get up, bitch. Like that doesn't look like it hurts. Yeah. But then you realize, you know, it's like a two hundred and seventy pound guy falling on his ankle at a funny angle. And yeah, it was just weird. Yeah, it's kinda of awkward. So I guess he was in a walking boot after the game and everybody's concerned that he might miss some time. And it's something we'll talk about a little bit later in the Suns yeah. Report response because we have a couple questions about it. Uh but again, it's just when you get to under five minutes, you're looking for guys who can get you points obviously da is a guy who can get you points and yeah. so that was unfortunate to see uh player of the game though you got to give it up to cam johnson happy birthday cam have yourself a birthday kid turned 24 that day and he tied his career high for field goals made shot the most shots in his career made the most three pointers in a game that he ever had shooting five for 13 only five for 13 but i love that he shot five for 13 yes from downtown every love game. it yeah 22 minutes where i thought he shot like 10 10 shots a game that's where mm-hmm. i want him to be exactly 10 to 13 shots that is perfect perfect i don't care if you only make four i don't either jack those things yeah up, dude. because it, his form is just so true yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. quick and it's yep. just it's a beautiful shot and he on his birthday scored his most career points so happy birthday cam happy birthday you man. get the sun's report player of the game award should have known you're a march baby very chill guy <laughs> he's he's just nice and relaxed dude real quick let's take a break well then the next game friday night suns beat the blazers by 10 127 to 117 again i didn't pick up this game till nine minutes left in the the fourth quarter is when i finally got home and the first thing i did is i text you and i was just like whoa and you're like, yep. Aaron Baines, that's all you need to know. That's so, all you need to know, man. So tell me, what did you see in this game prior to that? Prior to Aaron Baines? Prior to me texting oh, you. Pri- <laughs> so it was just Aaron Baines. 19 points in the first quarter. Something I've never seen from a backup center or even like a starting center from the from the Suns, dude. It was insane. And uh, Skeets from No Dunks, mm-hmm. he usually does like a whoa boy stat line of the night. And it's one player of the night. He just had a great game. And after the whoa, first, boy. Yeah. And I always spell it wrong, but when I tweet him, I'm like, hey, woo boy. <laughs> woo boy. Yeah, make him a woo boy, please. So I, I tweeted at him. He never replied, of course, but I put it. I'm like, hey, this is a nominee for tonight. It's actually, it might have been the first Suns player to make the woe boy award wow. to win it. But the way he played, it was so consistent. And the most impressive thing for me is how the Suns kept continuing to find him. And that's something I feel like the Suns always struggle with is when somebody is playing great, like you brought up with Saric earlier, yep. they go away from him. Yeah. DA is a big thing too. DA will start off a game 12 points in the first. Oh, yeah. Never go back yeah. to him. Six for six from the field. Yeah, and then he ends up six for, or he ends up like seven for nine or yeah. something stupid like that. Yeah. So for them to keep going back to him, and we talked about on our like on the podcast we had where we went player by player, the player breakdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, Aaron Baines just keeps shooting those threes because that's what got him back into it. I yeah. mean, back into our hearts. I know he's always been there, 
but he was always on the bench. And for him to get the starting center job back helped. And not to go back to the show again, but Love is Blind. You know, start from the <laughs> basics. Like, okay, now I got to see this yeah, new show. Yeah, because they're in pods talking. That's how they commerce. That's how they actually find true love. And when they actually see each other, it kind of goes downhill. But then when they start talking in other rooms to each other, back to basics. They stop fighting and they start so making what's love. what does this have to do with Aaron Baines? Back to basics. Back to the 7-3 start with Aaron Baines starting okay. at center, shooting the threes. So what about DA? Uh, what about him? What, he should be coming off the bench now? No, no. So what do you think, though? I mean, that's not going to change anything. That's what I hope well, doesn't happen. Well, first off, let me say this. I mentioned on the podcast last week that I noticed uh, a play in which Dario Saric and Aaron Baines ran a high pick and roll. Little did I know that that's the key to success, man. It's, <laughs> it's Saric and Baines because Saric had a great game, too. You know, he had his highest scoring night on the season. He had 24 points on 9 for 13 shooting. Mm-hmm. And I got to ask you this. Do you think it's because he was clean shaven? Do you think that like <laughs> he has an aerodynamic advantage that no one saw coming ever since he shaved his face? Oh yeah, well that might be it. <laughs> Maybe more confidence because it's like what he was growing wasn't the greatest. It was fucking nasty. It's like me if I grow my stuff, that's what it looks like. A little bit more he has, but. You just and maybe some more confidence, man. That's probably what it was. Well, again, he had a great night. Then obviously, Aaron Baines. I think that one Aaron Baines' night last night garnered him a great contract in this offseason. Yes, because it reminded everybody on some random night in March. Oh shit, that's Aaron Baines. Look at what he can do. So some team is gonna yeah pay him a lot of money, and he's gonna cash in that final paycheck of his career. Because what is he? Thirty three, thirty four. Aaron Baines is an old dude. Yeah. This is the back end of his career, and he's going to be looking for one more contract Mm -hmm. that he can live off of. And last night, that's the first thing I thought when I saw saw that stat line. Because I came in, I turned on the TV, and he was at at that point, he was like 28 points and 12 rebounds. I was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. This guy, cha-ching. Yeah. This is exactly what he wants. Yeah, I think... I mean, what do you think? Like, he'll be, like, on the Clippers next year? I think I can see him on the Clippers. I can see him on the Clippers or going to Philly or Boston, perhaps. Maybe even the Nets. And we'll always love him. Of course. He no was, matter what team he's on, we're exactly, always going to cheer this And that's guy. why, that's the fun thing about Aaron Baines is you take a look at all the teams that he's played for in the past, mm-hmm. the Celtics and the Spurs, and, you know, everybody's just, they still love they him. They still love him, Because he's dude. a fan favorite. He's just a, you know, he's a hard man dude with a fiery red beard. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know. My favorite part from him playing, he even talked about it after the game where he was like, he's like, I took one play at a time basically, but I went from play to play. So he didn't focus too much on what he was doing. He was just like, mm-hmm. I got to focus on the next play. And that's where a lot of sons get caught up in the moment of winning. And they start, you know, smiling and getting happy and thinking it's over. But Baines, he's like, no, like, I'm playing great, but I'm still going to take it one play at a time. And I know it sounds so basic and stupid, but that's what I feel like costs the sons some wins this year. It's just thinking like, oh, we had the win and then teams just come back. And that's what drives me nuts. So I love him saying that. I hope the sons can feed off of that. Well, and to your point, again, I think that, you know, uh, Devin Booker made a statement at the end of the game where he pretty much said, like, I'd be fucking crazy not to pass him the ball tonight. Yeah. And that is something that I feel like, just like you said, doesn't happen enough with the Suns. And they finally happen where, like, oh, that's the hot guy tonight. And that's what you want. You don't want to go every night be like, Devin Booker's the hot guy. Yeah. Because how many times we were talking about it, uh, (laughs) uh, like, I think it was last week when Devin Booker took that three-pointer as time expired where we could have won the game. Mm -hmm. But the hot guy at that time was Cam. Yes. Cam had hit three, went three for three in the fourth quarter. And forgive me, I forget which game it was in. But they had a chance to win that game. They were only down by two. 
and they go to Booker in the corner. It's mm-hmm. like feed the guy who's hot. We have more talent than just Devin Booker anymore. Yeah. So if a guy's the hot, Pistons game, but yeah, Pistons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pistons. A guy's hot. Feed him. Mm-hmm. Look at the results. This guy, okay, let me just run over some of the stats for him. Okay, so Aaron Baines, career high, had 16 boards, which is one shy of his career high. And he did it by hitting nine threes, which his career high in three-pointers attempted was eight. He hit nine. No NBA starting center has ever made that many three-pointers in a game before. No Phoenix Suns player has ever made more threes in a game before. No Australian player has ever scored more total points in an NBA game before. Only James Harden has 30-plus points, 15-plus rebounds, and 8-plus three-pointers made in the game in NBA history. That's how historic that night was. I'm so pissed I missed the majority of that (laughs) game. It's like, of course, the one night I don't get to watch the whole game, something fucking historic happens. But kudos to Aaron Baines. It's going to suck to see him go. So you know what? Enjoy the rest of this season and everything he offers. To your question a little bit earlier, should he be starting over DA? No. What's gonna... Oh, sorry. You're asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the answer. The answer yeah. is still no. He had a great night. He did what he's supposed to do. On nights in which DeAndre Ayton can't play, Aaron Baines is a great backup. And that shows you the value mm-hmm. of depth on a team. Because this is a guy who comes in. And the same thing. Uh, Kelly Oubre's out. So Dario Sarch is going to get that start. And he comes in and has a great game. Yeah. That, those are what, that's what great teams do. Yeah. has that depth. And although we love Dame Lillard for pulling his groin, air quotes, so mm-hmm. Devin Booker can get in the All-Star game, I love seeing Dame Lillard lose because he is a whiny bitch on the court. He, yeah. I don't know if you remember the game. Last time we played them was the game where he was complaining to the refs after a couple non-calls in his eyes, so the refs started calling everything in his favor. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, There was a play where he jumped, you know, he's taking a three, Rubio jumped and like, matrixed around him. You watched it and they called a foul and Dame Lillard just pissed me off that night. So it's going to take me a while to get over. I don't like players like that. I don't like players who are flopping all over the place and trying to get the calls because if you look at the Suns, Booker tries, he never gets the calls. But we we really don't have players like that. We've never had players like that. We wish we did though, right? Yes and no. I mean, it's like... I, I, if that's not basketball. That slows the game down. I hate. It, yeah. It's like Harden. I can't stand watching Harden for that reason. Anytime you, you get near him, he throws his head back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's so annoying to watch because it's it's false. My fiance tagged me in something on Facebook yesterday where it was the play where LeBron James, Dylan Brooks hit him on the chin and he you know flailed his chin up and he's standing there just like you know hands on his knees for like five minutes and she goes. What the fuck, LeBron? And, you know, it's like that's a casual fan recognizing bullshit. I don't know. It's like in baseball replay. It's just not – it's annoying. Well, for me, it's hard to enjoy sometimes, but I love it because this this is a game. So they're playing the game to get what they want. To get to the free throw line, that's what they have to do. And I don't – I know it sucks to watch, but Damian Lillard's not the worst for me to watch do that. Chris Paul is probably – the top of the hill where I can't stand the watch. Yeah, okay, that that's I agree with that hundred and ten percent. I can't stand Chris yeah, Paul. But it's like on the Mount Rushmore of that, it's like Chris Paul, James Harden. Yeah. Yeah, Lillard wouldn't even be on my but top five. Like Manu Ginobili's up there. If we had someone like that, if we had James Harden, we would love it. Of that's course. why that's why I think about it this way. It's like anybody that's like perfected their craft to where they're winning games for their team. And they're an MVP caliber player. Like it's hard to not like them for me, just because of how much dedication they put into that. Like that's how I think of it. And I know it sucks to watch because if the Suns are losing and they're doing this shit, you're like, come on, Russ. Like how do you not see that? But that's how they get their team to win the game. 
So whatever you have to do to win the game, we wish Booker was that way. And when he, if he ever gets that way, we're going to love him for it. Then we'll be on the other side of that fence being like, we'll hate us because they ain't us. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because yeah. a great example of something similar to this is I'm a Los Angeles Dodgers fan, diehard. You know, I bleed blue. And Yasel Puig. When Puig was on my team, I loved him. Everybody hates Puig. Now that he's not on my team, I hate him because he's a bitch. So I, I get it. I get that argument. Yeah. Uh, back to the game. No small stat here. Rubio's plus minus was 32. I saw that. Plus 32. Yeah, man. He went 13 for 10 with only one turnover. And this is the fifth game this season where both him and Booker have had 10 plus assists each. And that has happened in four of the last five games. They're just playing so great together. And they're really learned. They've learned how to play together. Yeah. And that's why it's so key to have somebody like Aiton healthy and solid wing play because now you have two guys who can distribute the ball. Booker doesn't need to go out and score 35 points a game now. And I think he's realizing that. He's like, I just need to dish the ball. And all now we if, if we perfect the bridges and uh, you know have Kelly Oubre healthy and, and DeAndre Aiton healthy, this team could really get scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. The thing is with Booker, too, we heard it this last week where people are like, okay, in this game... Booker needs to go off and score 40. I've given up on that since the All-Star break where I'm just like, I understand that Booker is going to be the second or third best player on a championship team. That's what he is. So for him to go out and win a game, he'll probably have a few of those, but we can't count on him to go out and score 40 points. He's not that player. He's more of a playmaker now. He had 12 assists in that game. It's like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Because for me, people are watching him. You you want them to sh- you want him to shoot mm-hmm. and you want him to be consistent from shooting uh, from shooting the three, but it's not going to happen this year. Maybe not next year. His game has changed to where we don't have to rely on that. So for me to judge Booker now, it's more of just like a team thing where we get these players healthy and Aiden can maybe be the the first or second best player. Maybe we get someone else. I don't know, but I know Booker is going to be a more consistent, better player when we have better the pieces that are healthy around him exactly that's what he's going to feed off of he's not going to be the guy he'll get a few games where he'll score 40 or 50 maybe but he has the capability but we to do can't so. count on that anymore we just can't so we got to look at it as a team game and that's exactly. what it is exactly and that's why i'm just looking for the consistent hustle mm-hmm. and hopefully they win some games for that reason and stop relying on book and if book doesn't do have a good game but he throws out 10 assists that's just the game he's going to have and i'm not going to trash him for it because this is more of a team to me to where it just like it sucks to see Aaron Baines throw up 37 points and know he's not going to be on this team probably next year because I love this group so much to where I, f- I wish we just had one more full season with them, but it's going to change next year. Yeah, because it would be nice to have them healthy for yes. an entire year. But I mean, again, to echo your point, I think you're spot on. We don't need him to score 40 every night. He's not that kind of player. He shouldn't be. And we can see that when we ask all of that from him, what happens? He starts to wear down, and then we don't get everything that we need from him. You know, Correct. I think I think that if he's dishing the ball, if you have two guys dishing the ball like that out, that team becomes so dangerous. Because and again, now you can start to rest Rubio while Booker's playing, and he's still the playmaker. Now Booker is resting while Rubio's. You know, I mean, it's, they, yeah. they feed off each other, and that's what Monty's game plan's been all season. But I think that Booker's finally realized, like, I don't need to score forty. I don't need to jack up twenty shots a night. I could just need to set guys up. Yes. Penetrate to the hole and dish. Exactly. And that's what he did this game. And it was just, it was it's really impressive fun to, to watch, watch, honestly. The Blazers, on the other hand, they're, they were, uh, I mean, Hassan Whiteside had a game. He's L- going to. Yeah. And, and I, I always told you, Whiteside's one of those guys who just scares the shit out of me. 
because he always puts up good stats. I know you. He does. I know. I know, I, I know you. You. You don't yeah. always think that, but for some reason, I just feel like he's always had really good games against the Suns, where he gets close to like twenty and twenty, which he nearly yeah. hit tonight. Well, EJ hit on that very well in the game. He talked about. I should just write down EJ's notes because I agree with him. This man all the time. I love Eddie Johnson. Yeah. I know that there's haters out there. And yeah. I just don't understand it. I don't understand. He's it. He, he's fun to watch. He knows the game. Well, and what's great is when other like if you go on Reddit, you'll get guys who come into the the Sun subreddit and they're like, "Hey, Mavericks fan who's listening to the broadcast, Eddie Johnson's amazing." Yeah, you know, it's like Trailblazers fan. He uh, is. He's spot on. You know, because he's 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 real. He is, and he was spot on in this game. We talked about Hassan Whiteside, just a walking double-double like DeAndre Ayton. The thing he doesn't do, and that Ayton doesn't do yet, really, is just bring another factor to the game, another part of his game that's going to help the team win. That's Whiteside. He's going to be a double-double. He might get a 20-20 game, but he's not doing things to help the team win. So if if your player's just putting up empty stats, like we always had an issue with Booker because we're not winning, it's hard to see that player as someone that's fearful. And that's what I've always talked about with Booker. He's not really feared yet, but mm-hmm. he's becoming the playmaker, someone that people will fear, not as a shooter probably, but for DeAndre Ayton, I feel like he has so much to improve on just to help his team win, but he's going to get there. Hassan Whiteside is who he is, and I think this guy is just never going to be, well, unless he's from you, he's going to be feared, but <laughs> he's not going to help his team win. He'll be a good backup center. But he's just not See, a guy. But I want imagine to start having him. Hassan Whiteside no, as great. our backup center. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, that'll be on the draft preview. I had like uh, one of the dudes. I forget his name already. But on the draft preview, we do. <laughs> oh, the podcast. It's, it's, a, Hawaiian, it's a Hawaiian Hassan Whiteside. We might draft for a backup center. <laughs> on that note, though, Lillard, McCollum, and Whiteside accounted for sixty-one percent of the Blazers' scoring. So if mm. that's occurring, you have a good chance of winning that game. Uh, Suns made nineteen three pointers in this game. And that was only the second time they've done so this whole season. The last time they did it was on November 10th versus Brooklyn. They're 2-0 and in those games, shockingly. Yeah. So hit 19 threes and you'll win the game, sons. It's <laughs> yeah. as simple as that. Do you have any other notes on the Blazers game? No, actually, I think that's it. Just um, It had me realize, too. First thing, actually, when I first started watching this game, I'm just so disgusted by the freaking court that the Suns have. I just wanted to bring this up really quick. What it looks like to me is... The Suns court looks like a bunch of scraps from like random courts around the league thrown onto one. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. Well, so the nice thing is we have, a, up. we have a renovation next year. And yeah. Hopefully they'll change the court. But I think what fans should do, you know, you always see the, the jersey designs. Yes. I think Suns fans should start doing some court designs because those are always awesome to see and like how they would look. Because I don't know how to do it. But I want to see something that maybe like the Golden State Warriors have where it's just all yellow. But instead of yellow, just do the orange and then some purple in there. But I don't know. I was just throwing out there because the Suns need a new court. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to shout out uh, Sansford and Suns on Twitter, at Sansford and Suns. Does fantastic yeah. jersey designs for the Suns. So, hey, Sansford and Suns, how about you uh, You do some court designs too? He might have too. done some in the, in the previous years or something. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm I want to sh- see some new ones for I'm this shouting year. them out right now. We'll see what he's yeah. got. Uh, for the Suns Report response, we have a couple different questions that were posed by the listeners. So first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who reaches out to us and has some questions for us. You can post your questions either via Twitter or you can just hit us up at any time. The Suns Report at gmail.com is a great way to get a hold of us. If you have any things you want discussed on the pod, this is when we do it during the Suns Report response. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is from the Tan Man, Nikki Tan. He, you know, he has kind of a long post on our Facebook page. 
But essentially, his question is, I'll just read what he said. He says, been thinking about this since Ricky was absent in that game when his son was born. In that game, ball movement was, uh, wasn't a mess, but it was, wasn't pretty either, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, who is our point guard when we lose Ricky, be it to age, a trade, or whatever? If somehow he manages to pull a Nash and remain relevant to his 30s, then yay for us. But there has to be a backup plan to get a high caliber point guard because we've seen what having one can do and what having Booker run a point and try to score 20 a night does. Mm -hmm. So essentially the tan man's question is if we lose Ricky here in a couple of years, or if he goes down with injury, what's the backup plan at point guard? Well, there's no life after Ricky. The world's going to (laughs) end. I know we're moving to Seattle. Yeah. Do not leave me. All right. Without Ricky, I know there's a lot of speculation too. I keep seeing Damien Lillard might be an option for the Suns this year or something like that. I just love what we have with Ricky. I don't want to lose it. But after him, I feel like it'd be someone that we would draft, right? It would be like Agreed. someone that... I mean, when Steve Nash left, we had no backup plan. So what's what's going to happen to where if Rukio... If Rukio... If Rukio. If Rukio Rufio leaves. If Ricky Rubio leaves or after his three years or we trade him or something, I don't see any backup right now. Unless Ty Jerome or someone from this year's draft matures into a good a good starting point guard, but I don't think it's going to happen. That's the only route I feel you can really take due to the fact that you're paying Ricky Rubio $17 million a year. You're not going to go and find another point guard who has the capability to spell him uh, if coming off the bench for more than $5 million a year. No. Now, if Ricky re- leaves via trade, hopefully you're getting some asset back that is a point guard that's we productive. Would, yeah. Uh, but I think the draft and or what we have... I mean, we've got like 27 backup point guards right now. we got like Jalen LeCue and Javon Cardi and Elia Cobo yep. and Ty Jerome. So, I mean, you're, what you're hoping is and what the Suns are doing is hoping one of those guys hits. Yeah. One of those guys is that answer to the tan man's question. Uh, if not, we'll see in three years. But to your point, I don't want to think about it right now. I don't want to think about this. Yeah, I like the fact that we have a point guard yeah. and we can focus on the rest of the team. I'm already up at night too much already. I don't want to think about another thing. You know? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Well, uh, at Sunders Dunks asks, how worried should we be about the big fella's ankle sprains? Well, we know now that we shouldn't be worried because he'll be back in a few games, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, but the sprains themselves? He's had a couple he ankle has, issue, yeah. issues. You know, it's just, That's always one of your fears with having yeah. a big guy. It's his knees and his ankles. The thing that I noticed, so when he got hurt, the guy fell on him and he like, it looked like he pulled his leg up trying to go for the dunk. So I feel like he's still a little bit awkward on the court, his footing and stuff to where he doesn't know where to be. And like how to figure out some guys on the floor where I should position myself so I don't get hurt. Yeah. I feel like that's a big thing. And I don't think he knows that yet. So I think it'll be all right. I feel like he'll get better and the coaches can actually show him like, hey, if some dude's down there and he's falling, make sure you get your foot up under the basket or something out of the way. Because I don't think he really pays attention to that yet. And that's why this keeps happening. Mm -hmm. I know it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like that's what it is. I can see it. I mean, he's a young player. I think when the injury first happened against the Raptors, the way he was grabbing his foot, I thought it was his Achilles. Oh, did Uh, you? I didn't see the play and he was grabbing the back of his ankle. I was like, oh, shit. You know, but again, to answer Sundress Dunk's questions, on a scale of one to 10, I'm like a two or three on how worried I am about the Mm -hmm. long term ankle Me too. probability injuries with DeAndre Ayton. I think that he does have decent footwork, and he'll get better at that footwork. And you've already seen it so far this season, where he's learning how to position himself and move in the lane accordingly. He just needs to continue to improve that, which I believe that he will. Yeah. I think he's had a couple ankle sprains here and there. But again, a lot of NBA players do. So yeah. I'm not overly concerned about that. Weekly notes, I think the biggest thing that I want to talk about in our weekly notes is Shams from The Athletic reported on Friday 
the following. The Suns also made a late push for Orlando's Aaron Gordon, sources said. Gordon, who along with Derek Jones Jr. has put on a show at NBA All-Star Slam Dunk Contest, has had a strong second half of the season, and he's expected to be pursued in the offseason by multiple teams. This sent Suns Twitter in a fury. Uh, I absolutely... Well, I want to hear your point of view on this. Does this make you angry that the Suns didn't get him or hopeful because they're trying to pull levers to improve this team? I liked it because I knew for a fact that we were trying to get somebody just mm-hmm. didn't work because I think the whole factor in it was Kelly Oubre. And I feel like that's who the Magic probably wanted. And I don't think the Suns wanted to give him up. They wanted Aaron Gordon to play power forward. And they don't want to give somebody else up to where it would take away from our starting lineup. So I think that's what they wanted. I think the Suns should probably try to give up uh, Sarich or something mm-hmm. like that but I was very happy to hear they're going after him and they're trying to make moves and sometimes it doesn't work out and the other team wants more than what you want to give up because if the Suns were to get Aaron Gordon trade away Ubre, I don't know how to feel about that because I haven't had Aaron Gordon on my team I know Aaron Gordon has the potential to be an all-star in my head on a better team because he's so young mm-hmm. but I would love to have him if it's possible you pull it off to have him and Ubre start for the Suns well, for those of you who've listened to this podcast for a long time, going back to our days when we were affectionately known as the Solar Report, we, uh, we've we been very pro-Aaron Gordon yes. for a long time. Uh, I wrote an article quite some time ago about why the Suns should get Aaron Gordon, and to know that the Suns were pursuing him just makes me happy because, again, it we, we are trying to make strides to improve this team. I think you're right. Obviously, the, the deal wasn't good enough for the Suns to where they actually pulled that trigger. Uh, giving up Kelly Oubre would have been an interesting... You can't do it right now. Yeah, but what if you put Mikael Bridges at the three? But uh, I don't think you're improving much when you have Gordon... Because Kelly Oubre has been so valuable to us, especially from right. three-point line. You're right. A clutch player. But you look at Aaron Gordon, and next year, he gets paid $16 million a year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. So that's why I think that the Magic are going to try to shop him this offseason because they have one more year of Gordon, and then they get nothing. Mm-hmm. So if they could trade him and get some assets out of for him, that'll improve their long term, you know, goals, if you will. Whereas if they just go, okay, no, no, we're not trading him for anything, and we're going to try to keep him here next year, and he doesn't, and he walks, that sucks yeah. for them and their fans. But again, Aaron Gordon, man, I agree with you. I think that if we got him in the middle of this season, right where we were at. It probably wouldn't have benefit this team. And again, we've been talking about keep this core together, keep this core together. Yeah. You know, don't break it up. Maybe in the offseason, you go and you trade some assets and some picks and things of that nature. And for those of you listening, if you want to have a good understanding of what those assets are, just go through the Bright Side of the Sun podcast library and you'll see that we have a podcast last week called Understanding the Assets. But if you utilize some of those assets appropriately, you can perhaps get an Aaron Gordon in the offseason. I just hope you yeah. don't have to give up too much. Uh, stat of the week for you, the, sh- the Suns shot 45.2% from deep on Friday versus Portland. When the Suns shoot 38.5% or better from beyond the arc, they are 15-8. and eight. And I don't think that shooting 38% is too much to ask. Okay, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, the other stat of the week, I just looked it up while we were doing this, Devin Booker, nine technical fouls on the year. Hmm. Nine. Yeah, the emotion of the team is very... It's at a weird stage. It just needs to show their growth, man, because it's hurting the team a ton. And mm-hmm. it's even from technical fouls to like trying to prove like I can dunk over somebody after getting rejected and then costing your team a turnover and then going the other way. Just little things like that to where this team still needs to grow, and it's going to happen. Exactly. So, I mean, is that down, though, nine technicals? Because remember the last few years with Booker, it was always like 
don't get it technical. Don't get it technical because he would always go off. So I think that's an improvement. The previous season, that is an improvement because he had 12 the last season. Oh, okay. But so we he's, still, on pace. he's on he's pace. He's on pace for 12. <laughs> so maybe that's just who he is. Yeah, he's, he's a yeah. guy who gets pissed off and gets teed up. What else do you have on this week? So let me ask you a question. Ooh, um, I like questions. Let's uh, do this guy over this guy. Who who would you rather have? Okay, and really, really quickly. Okay. Would you rather have Cam Johnson over Josh Jackson? Yes. Instantly. Would you have Kelly Oubre over TJ Warren? Yes. Would you have Ru- Would you rather have Rubio over both those guys? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're so, talking about not Rubio I'm over Cam about Johnson and Rubio over Josh Jackson and Kelly Oubre. Yes. Yes. Or I mean, not Josh Jackson and TJ Warren. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was really tough for me to get those questions out for some reason. <laughs> but anyways, so the thing is, like Josh Jackson lately has been playing pretty good off the bench. Memphis. I know, is, every time he scores like eighteen points, yeah, everybody's like, like, "Oh, why did you get this guy away?" Because we have Kelly Oubre, we have Cam Johnson, we have guys that we're gonna take his minutes and actually improve this offense. Yeah. This is why we got rid of those guys, and we got we got rid of them for just some money. Yeah. Whatever. You can judge that all you want. Yeah. That's the but one I'll downside. never judge that. But. We made room for Rubio. Mm-hmm. We made room for minutes for two guys I would rather have playing well, we, than Josh And we Jackson got cash for TJ Warren to get Ubre to stay. Yeah. That was It's one we thing that it. everybody from the outside looking in always says, well, you gave up TJ Warren for yes. nothing. It's like, no, we got cash so we could give it to Ubre. We knew what we were doing you can't there. Have, you can't have TJ Warren on this team. You just can't. He's no. And the stats between him and, and Kelly Oubre are the exact he's a, same. He's a black hole, though, on yeah. offense, man. He you is. throw it to him, the ball's done. And Kelly Oubre is dramatically change his team i don't know if he can replace that at all and that's what just sucks to hear i mean i i gotta stay away from it on twitter it's like josh has a good game but he's gonna have good games he's quite he's a good player i yeah. guess but he's not gonna help the suns team if we still had him and tj uh. i'd be slitting my wrist right now <laughs> slitting my well, I will, well i will say that tj's been great on my fantasy team this year yeah no he's a solid <laughs> player man and i have Ubre too but yeah i don't anymore i dropped him because he's but that, yeah that was just my quick questions um no more other questions that's it, dude. I love answering questions. I know, me too. All right, well, let's look at the Week 21 preview. We have three games for the Suns this upcoming week. The first one is Sunday versus the Bucks. 3 p.m. start. I believe this is where they have the Ricky Rubio superhero action figure. Yes, I would Dad, die for I that. want a man bun. That's been a dude. great commercial on Fox Sports <laughs> yeah. Arizona. Uh, any thoughts on that game? Man, I want that, I want that action figure on my desk at work. Yeah, that would dude. be pretty yeah, cool. I want to impress some people. Have you ever seen Giannis play in person? No, I have not, dude. And I saw him last year, and yeah. it is so much fun. Pretty dude, impressive. He's so huh? long. Yeah. It's like Mikel Bridges at seven feet. Yeah. And it's because Mikel's only six six. Yeah. You feel like he's six eight. And that's why when I started earlier, when I was talking about comparing him to Pascal Siakam, I was like, he's just like Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking at him like, oh, Pascal Siakam is six nine. Bridges is only six six. But imagine Bridges at seven feet just doing whatever the fuck he wants that's what it's not just that's what that, Giannis though. is Giannis is gonna he wants to be the best player to ever exactly. play exactly the I drive love that yes I love that so much because he he has a skill and he's taking advantage of it he's playing like kind of like a Kobe mentality where it's just like I have these skills but I'm gonna act like I'm not I'm not that great of a player yep. I'm just gonna improve myself to the point to where I'm gonna be the best player and win championships I feel like if he doesn't end up winning a championship he's probably gonna move to some island by himself <laughs> Off and of like, the Greek coast? Yeah, off of the Greek coast and just be by himself for the rest of his life. Do you think that he's the surefire MVP or do you think that yeah. between Luka and LeBron James, it's still close? Luka's not in it anymore. I think LeBron's the closest next to him. Mm-hmm. But I would give it... I love LeBron. I know I hate the Lakers, whatever. I love LeBron. But you can't... Giannis has... He's just been so consistent this year. 
And Lakers still playing in the West. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big part of it, but it's hard not to give it to Giannis. But then LeBron has a great case. He really well, what's does. What's impressive for LeBron is he's doing this in his 17th year, man. Like yeah. he's the fact that we're even talking about this 17 year. Imagine yeah. Steve Nash in his 17th year. He's like out there with like a walker, I know, you know, and tennis balls on it, just trying to pass the ball. LeBron's out there dominating. I honestly still though don't think that it's a contest. Giannis is doing it in like 32 minutes a game. Yeah. If you do it in a per 36, he's killing everybody though. But we'll see because something might happen to where LeBron. I mean, finishes the season with 20 wins. Something might happen to the Bucks, where they lose 10 games. So it's up to that. Yeah, I you still know. think it's a runaway for uh, for Giannis. Me too. The second game of, this, of next week is Tuesday. The Suns are playing at the Blazers. We still play them again? Yeah, we still got to play I them again. I thought we played them four times. No, this is this will be the last time. This one is okay. at Portland. So could be a little revenge game for them for losing. Or the Suns could just go, you know what, Aaron Baines? Go for 40 tonight. That'd be great. <laughs> but Blazers still in the playoff hunt too, so. Yep. And then following that, the last game of week 21 is Saturday, an 11 a.m. start against the Dallas Mavericks. So we get to see good old Luka Doncic Where's once that again. Is that at? is at Dallas. Oh, okay. That'll be next uh, next Saturday. So following that game is when we'll record our podcast for uh, for the week 21 recap yeah, and the week 22 preview. Yeah, sit down. Yeah, br- brunch and, and the Suns. I like I it. I like that, dude. I do. I do. And I do like doing this podcast. This was a fun week, uh, as always, even though the Suns aren't making a march to the playoffs, as we talked about. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 10 when it comes to engage with this team. Absolutely love them. Looking forward to seeing what Week 21 brings us. Again, that's it for the for the Suns Report podcast this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at the Suns Report. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. Don't forget to go there and read some articles. I'm now writing for Bright Side of the Sun, and I wrote something on Booker. We talked about on the podcast last week about mm-hmm. I think that he's mentally, physically, and emotionally tired. I wrote about it and got quite the response. Mm-hmm. So uh, looking forward to putting out some more articles on Bright Side of the Sun. Whatever you do, have a fantastic week. Enjoy the fact that it's March and the madness is just around the corner, but it's always madness when you're watching the Suns. So this is John Voida. Thank you again for listening to the Suns Report podcast. This is Matthew Paul Lissy. Have a good day and go love your family. Take care.